Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We are a little bit later than usual due to some scheduling issues on my end, but the show is still up. It is almost always going to be up. I try to find a way to do this show, hell or high water. We have a lot to talk about this weekend, including a big debut for John Wick Chapter 4, a disappointing second weekend for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I also have an exciting programming announcement that's coming up later on in the show. But before we get to any of that, I want to thank, as always, my partners here on the show, Carbon Health. Carbon Health is rolling out a lot of primary care services and one of those services is connected health which is the idea that your mental health and your physical well-being are connected to each other that's why they also have mental health specialists available everywhere that they're offering primary care which right now is california and massachusetts and they're hoping to roll out more soon plus there are carbon health locations in so many more states you can download the carbon health app right now to see if there's one near you or you can use the carbon health app to do virtual care if you can't make it to a location I said it many times before, I love having Carbon Health as a partner here on the show because I believe in what they do, which is to make healthcare as accessible as possible and as affordable as possible to as many people as possible. So thank you as always to Carbon Health for being a partner on the show. And before we get rolling, I also wanted to address very briefly a sponsor that you've seen on the show previously, which is the service BetterHelp. I've said many times before, both here on the show and in comments when people ask about various sponsors, that I never endorse anything that I wouldn't use myself and that I don't wholeheartedly believe in. And I used the BetterHelp service when I came on board as a sponsor. I was very happy with that service. However, recently there was some news that came out regarding BetterHelp and privacy disclosures that made it so that I could not in good faith continue to have them as a sponsor here on the show. So you're not going to see BetterHelp as a sponsor here before. And I know that many of you have asked me questions since that news came out, which is why I wanted to address it. Uh, quite frankly, that comes at a rather sizable uh, financial loss for me. But we have a lot of other great sponsors that you will see here on the show. And I, as always, appreciate your support as we continue here on Charts with Dan and as I continue to make my way in this uh, crazy internet landscape. Because let me tell you, uh, it is the Wild West out here. Uh, so thank you, for everyone, for your patience and your feedback. And I just wanted to mention that as we started the show. But let's look at the box office charts for this past weekend. And we will start with the top five movies. John Wick, Chapter 4, as expected, posted a franchise-high debut of $73.8 million. It was one of those weekends, again, where every time the estimates came in, the numbers went up, and then the final number was higher than the final estimate that was released on Sunday, and it's so weird how this works out. Out of the four March box office weekends, three of them were franchises that debuted at franchise high levels. We had Creed 3, Scream 6, and now John Wick Chapter 4. Sadly, Shazam! Fury of the Gods was the only outlier on that weekend. It almost went the opposite way, but a great debut for John Wick Chapter 4, and we have so much to talk about that in just a few moments. Shazam! Fury of the Gods, in itself 
second week, had a low debut last week, and a near-DC high 69% drop-off in Week 2 for just $9.3 million. It was in serious jeopardy of not coming in second place in Week 2, and we'll look at the history of that with the DCEU. Scream 6 and Creed 3 were tangling for who would be number 3 and who would be number 4. They're basically statistically tied for those spots, but Scream 6 ended up taking the number 3 spot, a 51.9% drop-off in its third week for a total of $8.3 million. Creed 3 dropped 46.7% in its fourth week for a total of $8.1 million. So both of those films holding well in their third and fourth weekends, respectively. 65 sticks around in the top five, a 45.3% drop-off in week three for a $3.2 million total. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania drops out of the top five, $2.4 million in week six. We'll see how that stacks up against the MCU. Cocaine Bear is at number seven with a 47.9% drop in a total just over $2 million. Jesus Revolution is at number eight. Champions is at number nine and probably spending its last week, although who knows, it could stick around for another week or two. In the top 10 is Avatar The Way of Water, a 35.3% drop in week 15 for a total at just over $1.3 million. Dropping out of the top 10 after an incredible 13-week run, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. What a performance from this film. A lower side debut right around the Christmas holiday and then a great run throughout the rest of December, January, February, and now here at the end of March. So nothing to be ashamed of for Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, dropping out of the top 10. When we look at what I like to call the road to recovery, which shows us the average weekend box office total from 2021 to 2022 in theaters were back open, from 2015 to 2019 pre-pandemic, and then this year, we continue to chart a course right between those two lines, and I've added, kind of based on some feedback, a little bit of an indicator about historically what films were performing well on each of these weekends. So this would be the highest performing film historically uh, for each of these different lines here. So you see, of course, John Wick Chapter 4, the highest performing film from this weekend as box office totals were over $100 million again, closer to $125 million. Then the blue line up there, 2015 to 2019, over that five-year span, the highest performance we saw from a film was 2017's Beauty and the Beast, which made $90 million dollars in week two that's pretty impressive it's second week of release making 90 million dollars so that's largely why that average line is so high there and then looking at the red line the 2021 to 2022 average the highest performing film for that week was last year's the lost city which helped to bring box office grosses total box office grosses up to around 50 million dollars but you see we're in a much better position this year so i'm going to keep doing that kind of showing you a little bit more context as to why those lines are so high or so low week by week, and that was due to some feedback from viewers like you. So thank you, as always, for chiming in. So as I mentioned, John Wick Chapter 4, a wonderful debut. Really, not a whole lot of notes. It was always a very economically budgeted franchise. John Wick Chapter 4 was the second highest opening weekend of 2023. You see Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania has the number one spot with $106.1 million. Then John Wick Chapter 4 at number two with 73.8. Creed 3 at number three with 58.3. And Scream 6 at number four with 44.4. And you see those numbers there, 2.3. 
two, three, and four. Those are the March debuts where we had films coming in at franchise highs. Then at number five, you might be surprised to know Shazam Fury of the Gods, not the fifth highest opening of the year. It is Megan, which just edged it out at $30.4 million. I would not have had Megan having a higher opening than Shazam Fury of the Gods when we started the box office year 2023. When we look at the overall weekend grosses this year, so this isn't just movies that are opening, this is all films playing. It's pretty much the same on the domestic side. The highest overall weekend gross for a film this year is the opening weekend of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, followed by the openings of John Wick Chapter 4 and Creed 3. But at number 4 is Avatar The Way of Water. The first weekend of 2023, January 6th through the 8th, it made $45.8 million. It was The Way of Water's fourth weekend of release, but it charted high enough to be the fourth best overall weekend gross of the year. And then at number 5, just behind Avatar The Way of Water, is the opening weekend of Screen 6 with 44 $4 million. So let's talk for a minute about the John Wick franchise. I mentioned that it is budgeted responsibly, and that's partially because the franchise opening has gone up with each successive movie. Let's look at the progression of the franchise when we see opening weekend numbers. The first John Wick opening to just $14.4 million, then John Wick Chapter 2 opening 111.1% higher than that first film with $30.4 million. The first John Wick movie was a marginal box office success, but it found a huge audience. When we look at physical media, streaming wasn't quite as big, but I'm sure things like iTunes, etc. So there was a big jump up from John Wick to John Wick Chapter 2, and a pretty big jump from John Wick Chapter 2 to John Wick Chapter 3. An 86.7% increase for the opening of John Wick Chapter 3 versus John Wick Chapter 2. And then when we look at John Wick Chapter 4, it opened 29.9% higher than Chapter 3. And this is what I call a staircase franchise. When you look at each one of these openings, it's like climbing up the stairs. Most franchises, when you're getting into movie three, movie four, it kind of goes up and then it goes back down because you're getting a bit of a diminishing return as the franchise goes on. But this is one where every movie is building on the success of the last one. And it's not exceedingly rare, but there are only a small number of franchises that have done it. Let's look at a selection of these, what I call staircase franchises, franchises with escalating openings, movie number one through movie number four, each one opening higher than the one previous. First, we have some franchises that did it through traditional release where there's two or three years between sequels john wick would be one of them final destination resident evil the original run of star trek films a nightmare on elm street friday the 13th and thor then we had some that got it through delayed sequels these are movies that came out five or more years after the previous film star wars for example the fourth movie the phantom menace which of course opened higher than return of the jedi because it was 16 years later lethal weapon die hard indiana jones the fourth movie was kingdom of the crystal skull Jack Ryan, Middle Earth, the first Hobbit film would be the fourth movie. Toy Story did it a couple of times. So yes, these movies technically qualify because they went up each time, but there are big gaps that allow for things like inflation where you have to kind of put an asterisk on it on those movies. And then we have a few that are technicalities or ones that we can't confirm. The Jumanji franchise, for example, if you include Zathura, which is tangentially part of the Jumanji universe, it's been confirmed that it is in that same universe, then the Jumanji franchise counts. Then we have franchises like Mad Max, Evil Dead, Rocky, where we don't have a confirmed opening weekend number, or at least not that I can find, to see if there was that step up between the first movie and the second movie, although it is likely that that's the case. So it's probable that Mad Max, Evil Dead, and Rocky meet these criteria. We just don't quite know. 
One thing that we do know is that this was the second best live action opening for Keanu Reeves. His career best was The Matrix Reloaded back in May of 2003, almost 20 years ago. That's hard to believe. With $91.7 million. Then we have John Wick Chapter 4 in second place with $73.8 million. John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. I'm glad they dropped that whole subtitle thing for Chapter 4. Back in 2019 with $56.8 million. The Matrix Revolutions at number 4 with $48.4 million. And then Bram Stoker's Dracula at number 5. That's right. Bram Stoker's Dracula back in 1992 is Keanu Reeves' fifth highest opening movie at $30.5 million. A little interesting trivia here. John Wick Chapter 4 is the first movie that did not open in either May or November that is on this top five here for Keanu Reeves. So he's going a little bit earlier in the year. That's good for Keanu. Of course, when we adjust for inflation, the movies are the same, but the order changes a bit. The Matrix Reloaded, when adjusted for inflation, opens closer to $150 million. It just kind of shows you how big that second Matrix movie was. And then look at that drop between Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. If I were doing this show 20 years ago, that would have been the headline. Almost a 50% drop, but The Matrix Revolutions is at number two with 79.2 million. Then we have John Wick Chapter 4 at number three, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum at number four, and then Bram Stoker's Dracula almost snagging that number four spot for an adjusted total of $65.4 million. I think people forget, I even forgot, just how big that movie opened for its time. There's a lot of anticipation around Bram Stoker's Dracula. We've been doing these things called franchise trackers here on the show for the past several weeks, and John Wick qualifies as a franchise. So let's look at the franchise tracker for John Wick. You'll see through just one week, John Wick Chapter 4 has already surpassed the domestic gross of the first John Wick film, which made $43 million. And it's only about $19 million behind John Wick Chapter 2. So by next week, John Wick Chapter 4 will already be the second highest grossing film in the franchise. John Wick Chapter 3 is at number one with over 171 million and barring a huge collapse i think that chapter four has got a great shot at becoming the highest grossing film in the overall john wick franchise domestically it's the same when you adjust for inflation john wick chapter four has bested the gross of the first john wick when you adjust chapter two for inflation it's at about 112.9 million dollars i still think by next week Again, barring some huge collapse, John Wick Chapter 4 will be the second highest grossing film domestically, inflation adjusted. And when we look at worldwide gross, John Wick Chapter 4 has surpassed the worldwide gross of the first John Wick film. It will surpass the worldwide gross of John Wick Chapter 2 by next week. Right now, Chapter 4 is at 137.8 million. Chapter 2 is at 171.3 million. And then the question is, will it become the highest grossing film worldwide? If it does, this will be, again, another one of those staircase franchises where it goes one, two, three, four from bottom to top each film more successful than the one before it of course in my opinion i think they should stop the franchise here but according to headlines that have come out that's not necessarily the case because studios love money so we'll see what happens with john wick but for right now uh, really no asterisks no caveats this is so far the most successful film in the franchise and we'll see how it holds up in weekend one and weekend two but a great achievement also for keanu reeves i mean this guy's been kicking around since the mid to late 80s and he's putting up near career best openings guiding an action franchise uh that's getting stronger as it goes that is pretty impressive a pretty impressive feat for a star of any caliber but especially keanu reeves who's reinvented 
reinvented himself a few different times in his career. Well, let's look now at a movie that has a little bit less rosy box office news, and that is Shazam! Fury of the Gods. It did not have a good opening last week, and it did not have a good hold in week two. When we look at second weekend holds for the DC Extended Universe, Shazam! Fury of the Gods ranking amongst the worst drop-offs by percentage. Of course, the worst drop-off was The Suicide Squad, which was available day and date on HBO Max. It dropped 71.5%. And then Shazam! Fury of the Gods just barely beating out the 69.1% drop for Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. BVS dropped 69.1%. Shazam! Fury of the Gods dropped 69%. So just a 0.1% difference. Of course, the bigger difference there is that Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice had a huge opening weekend and Shazam! Fury of the Gods did not. So a 69% drop off of an already small opening weekend is pretty catastrophic. Wonder Woman 1984 holding just a little bit better than Shazam! Fury of the Gods at 67.5%. Keeping in mind that was also available day and date on streaming. Suicide Squad at 67.4%. Man of Steel at 64.6%. Black Adam at 59%, Justice League at 56.2%, and the first Shazam at 54.3%. Only three films in the DCEU have held better than 50% in their second weekend of release. Birds of Prey, which dropped 48%, Wonder Woman, which shot 43.3%, and then Aquaman, which was in that very strange Christmas holiday window, which dropped just 23.2% in Weekend 2. And looking at the franchise tracker for the DCEU, through two weeks of release, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is still behind the total domestic gross of Wonder Woman 1984 and The Suicide Squad. It will pass the gross of Wonder Woman 1984, probably today or tomorrow, and it will pass the domestic gross of The Suicide Squad, which is there at $55.8 million dollars, but I think it is really doubtful whether it's going to pass the domestic gross of Birds of Prey, which made $84.1 million back in 2020. And for a movie of its size, that's pretty catastrophic. You would think that it would open higher than at least Wonder Woman 1984 and The Suicide Squad, but it did not. So Shazam! Fury of the Gods is going to lose a hefty amount of money, and I will probably get into that next week when we know what the week three gross is, just how much money it will probably be losing. Looking at the franchise tracker adjusted for inflation, Of course, Shazam! Fury of the Gods, still a basement dweller, still looking to bypass Wonder Woman 1984, and even less likely to bypass Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous, etc. There at number nine. And then when we look worldwide, I think there's a question here as to whether it's going to pass Wonder Woman 1984 and The Suicide Squad, period, because it's about $65 million behind both of those films. I think it's possible, possible, that Shazam! Fury of the Gods is the lowest grossing DCEU film of all time by worldwide gross. We'll look at those numbers in a bit. They aren't encouraging. We'll just have to see how it does from week to week. But it's not like there's less competition coming down the road. There is more competition coming down the road. And we may be looking at the DC's lowest grossing film ever worldwide, including the pandemic era which is not what they wanted to see. So Shazam! Fury of the Gods still in real box office trouble. We knew that it was last week. The only thing that you could do was sort of stop the bleeding in Weekend 2. Well, they did not stop the bleeding. That wound just opened up even more. There has been a lot of finger-pointing and blame game and who did this and who did that, etc. With a failure this big, it's not a single-point failure. This was obviously a big confluence of different things, but what we are looking at here is a really, really, um, I mean... 
almost an embarrassing performance, I hate to say it, by a film of its size, because now we're starting to look at worst performance or one of the worst performances in the modern superhero era. That's something else I'm going to be tracking over the next few weeks. Really just kind of a catastrophe here for Fury of the Gods, and uh, I think it's a movie that maybe just shouldn't have been made. Uh, and I'm not saying that creatively. I'm saying this from a box office perspective. We are not back in late 2020 or early 2021 when you could say like, well, people aren't going to theaters. As I mentioned, three out of the four box office weekends here domestically were franchise highs for films in different franchises. People are going to the theaters, not in the numbers that they used to be, by and large, but they are going to the theaters. They just didn't go see Shazam! Fury of the Gods. So not good news for that film, but it really hasn't been from the very beginning. One franchise that has been getting good news is Scream, as Scream 6 has now bypassed domestically the totals of Scream 4, 2022 Scream, and Scream 3. So it is now the third highest grossing film in the franchise. It has Scream 2's gross in its sights. It's got about uh, $12 million left, $11.5 million to bypass Scream 2. And then right after that would be the first Scream. So if it is able to hold reasonably well over the next couple weeks, then we could be looking at the highest grossing Scream film domestically. Of course, not when you adjust for inflation. When you adjust for inflation, Scream 6 is at number four with about $65 million to go if it wants to break into that Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3 territory, which I do not believe it is going to do domestically. So we're likely looking at Scream 6 parked there as the fourth highest grossing film in the Scream franchise adjusted for inflation. But again, that's not bad, especially at where those movies are budgeted. And then when we look at it by worldwide gross, Scream 6 is now the fourth highest grossing film in the franchise. It is bypassed Scream 4 and last year's Scream. Another $22.6 million or so, and it will take the spot from Scream 3. And then you only have about $12 million more million until you get into the highest grossing worldwide record book, bypassing the first Scream film. So I think we could see, unadjusted for inflation, Scream 6 take the spot as the highest grossing Scream film domestically and worldwide, although it's got a little bit more work to do worldwide than it does domestically. I mentioned Creed 3 last week as being poised to take over some of the top spots in the record books, and this is what we're going to do with the franchise tracker. We're not going to look at every single chart for every single week as we're tracking franchises, but we are going to track meaningful progress for each of these franchises, and we have some meaningful progress here for Creed 3 because it has now officially bypassed Rocky 4, unadjusted for inflation, to become the highest grossing film in the Rocky Creed franchise. So that is now a done deal. The highest grossing film in franchise history. Of course, adjusted for inflation, it's not going to get close. It's going to stay there at number five. It did bypass the totals of Creed 2 and the original Creed adjusted for inflation. So it's there at number five, but it has another $210 million to go if it wants to overtake the box office gross of Rocky 2, which it is not going to do. So it's going to stay there at number five, the fifth highest grossing film in the Rocky Creed franchise adjusted for inflation. An impressive performance, but still just an indicator and in putting it into perspective how popular those first four Rocky films were. And then looking at the franchise by worldwide gross, if it can gross another $53.7 million worldwide, which isn't unheard of, it's got some work to do, it can bypass Rocky IV as the highest grossing film in the franchise worldwide. So again, much like Scream, if it does a little bit more work, we could be looking at top gross domestic and top gross worldwide for both of these films. But again, as with both films, there's a little bit more to do worldwide than there is on the domestic front. 
And finally, let's talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is almost really at the end of its box office run. It's kind of hard to believe, but it doesn't look like it's got much gas left in the tank after a promising debut, or at least a debut that met expectations. Looking at the overall franchise tracker for the MCU, it has bypassed the gross of Thor The Dark World. So that's good news. It looks like it will slowly be creeping up on the domestic total for Ant-Man and the Wasp, so it can probably at least domestically claim that it's not the lowest grossing film in the Ant-Man franchise. I mean, we're really just grasping at straws here to find good news for this movie, because yes, for some films, a gross over $200 million is fantastic, but not when your budget is $200 million, plus prints and advertising and all of that stuff. This is where we're in trouble with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. It's a $200 million film, so $200 million domestic isn't really going to cut it unless you're doing a billion dollars around the world, which it's also not doing. The question then becomes, will it bypass Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings? maybe, but I don't know if it's going to pass Doctor Strange. So we're looking at a final result at around the 22nd, 23rd highest grossing film in the MCU. Looking at it inflation adjusted, of course, the news gets even worse. It's there at number 28 above only Black Widow, The Incredible Hulk, and Eternals. It might bypass the first Ant-Man film, adjusted for inflation, maybe, but I doubt that it's going to pass Captain America, the first Avenger. So we're looking at one of the lowest grossing films in the MCU. And when we look at it worldwide, I don't think Ant-Man and the Wasp goes above where it is right there at number 25, which is below the worldwide total of the first Ant-Man film. So I don't think we're going to hit half a billion, and I don't think we're going to bypass Ant-Man, and that is pretty bad news when we look at it worldwide. And again, with a $200 million budget, if you're making 480, 490, which looks like about where this movie is going to top out, that is not profitable for you in the theatrical window if you are Marvel. And that's because you put $200 million toward the budget of the film. You put probably another $100 million toward uh, promotions and advertising and marketing, etc. That's $300 million. You don't get $300 million back out of a $480, $490 million worldwide total. So they're going to have to look at making that up in other areas. Now, Marvel and Disney have a lot of revenue streams, so I'm not saying that the movie is going to be a money loser overall but you're not getting a whole lot of licensing because it's going straight to Disney+. Plus. I know that that money technically comes from a different part of the company, so you can say that Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is profitable because Disney+, Plus, quote-unquote, paid you uh, to license it on your platform. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. The money's coming from the same company. It may eventually squeak out some kind of a profit, but certainly not in the theatrical window, and certainly not to the extent that Marvel was hoping with the swings they were taking with this film. So I'll keep tracking Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania over the weeks to come. We've got so much more to get to, but before we do, I want to thank the sponsor for this video, Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. When I'm shopping online, there's nothing quite like finding a great deal. It's the thrill of the hunt. Well, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past because Honey is a free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds right to your cart. Honey searches for any coupon it can find for the site that you're shopping on, and if it finds a working coupon, you'll watch your total drop. I was on Amazon the other day looking for a new phone case, and up popped Honey showing me what the price had been for that phone case over the last few weeks and offering to let me know if that price dropped again. And when I was looking to get some new shoes, I went to my shopping cart and I got a notification about a cash back deal that was available and saved me about five bucks. And Honey doesn't just work on desktops, it also works on your iPhone. Just 
activate it on Safari and save on the go. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. Get PayPal Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Merle. That's joinhoney.com slash Merle, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Let's look now at the per theater averages for this past weekend, getting off of some of these specific films. And John Wick Chapter 4 boasts the best average per theater in 3,855 theaters, over $19,000 per theater. I think theater owners have been very happy, by and large. Nam June Pike, Moon is the Oldest TV, which is a documentary that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival brought in over $10,000 in just one theater. The documentary is about a Korean artist who is credited with the invention of video art. It was actually on my list of movies to see at Sundance. I couldn't quite uh, clear the budget and the time to see it, but it looks interesting, so I hope that there is a bit of an expansion of that documentary. At number three is a French film called The Five Devils. It's from director Liam Misius. It was screened last year at the Director's Fortnight section at the Cannes Film Festival. At number four is the film Toy and Lakita from directors Jean-Pierre and Luc Dardin. Last week, I believe I said they were French. They're actually Belgian, so apologies. I actually had them coming from the wrong country. My mistake there. And then at number five in one theater is a documentary called What the Hell Happened to Blood, Sweat, and Tears, which examines the decline in popularity of the 1970s band Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And I've heard that's actually quite an interesting story. So again, something probably to look at with these documentaries, etc., in smaller films. Most cities aren't going to get them, but if any of these sound interesting, keep an eye out on streaming services, rental, etc., because they're usually available for you to watch at home in a pretty abbreviated window. Looking at the top grosses for limited release films, these are movies in 1,000 theaters or fewer. At number one is Zach Braff's newest film, A Good Person, which played in 530 theaters and brought in $834,000 total. The Lost King, playing in 753 theaters, brought in over half a million dollars, 516,000 total. At number three is the horribly postered film, Moving On, starring Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda. We talked about this last week. It was in 771 theaters and brought in just under three. $350,000. At number four is a film from Germany that was made in 2021 called The School of the Magical Animals. Now, why it opened this weekend in 300 theaters, I can't really tell you, but I can tell you that it made about $150,000. So good to you, German family film from two years ago. And at number five is the film out of India, Tujuthi Main Makar in 83 theaters with $143,000. Someone took me to task last week for my pronunciation of Indian films. And you know, listen, I do my best, you know. I, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. I, I, I cover a lot of films from a lot of different regions. And yes, my pronunciation is not always going to be perfect, but I like covering different films from different countries. So it's a little bit of a sacrifice. I do try to look up the different pronunciations. I'm going to get stuff wrong, but I just like talking about all kinds of different movies. So I'm sure I probably butchered that pronunciation. I will do my best to try to correct myself when I can. But anyway, it was the number five movie at the limited release box office this past weekend. And looking at the top 10 grocers for films in limited release this year, it doesn't matter when the movie was released, just when the ticket was sold. Patan was at number one. That's a movie I got wrong and got corrected on but I got it right now. At number two is A Man Called Otto, which made $6.2 million in limited release. Women Talking is at number three. The Wandering Earth 2 is at number four. The Whale's at number five. 2023 Oscar shorts were at number six. Living is at number seven. Tujuti Main Makar moves up two spots to number eight on the chart. Walter Viraya is at number nine, dropping one spot. And Fear drops one spot on the chart. No new entries this week, just a little bit of motion down at the bottom of the chart. And as we're talking about per theater averages in movies and limited 
limited release. Most of these films, or a lot of them, are playing in smaller theaters that tend to be a little bit more independent or independently owned and operated. And that brings us to a new feature here on the show, which is that each week or most weeks, I'm going to feature an independent theater. And this week, I want to talk about the Hollywood Theater in Portland, Oregon, which is a beautiful looking theater. It was built in 1927. At one time, it was converted into a full Cinerama 70 millimeter theater. It played films like 2001 A Space Odyssey. Back in 2015, they actually brought 70 millimeter back. The theater is on the National Registry of Historic Places, but it was in danger, as so many of these theaters have been, of falling into disrepair. It was purchased with the help and support of the public by a nonprofit in 1997. In 2017, the Hollywood Theater kind of paid it forward because there was a local Portland video store called Movie Madness that was in danger of going out of business. Through public donations, it took over that store. It now runs Movie Madness in order to keep that store's collection of movie titles, which is tens of thousands of titles, available to the community. This weekend at the Hollywood Theater in Portland, Oregon, you can catch movies like Martha Coolidge's Valley Girl, Slumber Party Massacre 2, and A Clockwork Orange, which is projecting on 35mm. And coming up next month, their lineup includes, just to name a few, the new film Air, Star Trek First Contact, which is playing on First Contact Day, RRR is still playing there at the Hollywood Theater, along with Blazing Saddles on 35mm, and so much more. You can check out the Hollywood Theater in Portland, Oregon, buy tickets, they're about 10 bucks each, or you can also donate to the Hollywood Theater at hollywoodtheater.org. And if you do make it down there, be sure to tell them that Dan sent you. And as I'm going to do with this theater and the other theaters that I featured here on the show, 10% of the monetization, the ad revenue from this video, will be donated to the Hollywood Theater just as a way to help support the independent film-going community because it's people like the ones that run this theater and the other ones that we've talked about here on the show that really keep not just the business of the movies, but the lifeblood of movies and the cinema alive, that love and that passion. So I actually hope, looking at those pictures, to get to the Hollywood Theater one day and please go check Check them out because it looks like a really, really great place. Let's take a look now at 2023 at the domestic box office and kind of the big picture there. The top four for the domestic winter spring box office, which right now is basically all movies released since January 1st. There are a couple of new additions. Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania is still number one at just over $200 million. Creed 3 is at number two. Megan is at number three. It looks like that gross has now gone final at just over $95 million. Scream 6 is at number four. John Wick Chapter 4 enters the chart at number five, and we're going to see it move up that chart pretty quickly. Cocaine Bear drops one spot to number six. Jesus Revolution drops one spot to number seven. Shazam! Fury of the Gods finally enters this chart at $45.9 million at number 8. 80 for Brady drops two spots to number 9. Knock at the Cabin drops two spots to number 10. And Missing and Plain both dropping out of the top 10 for 2023. When we look at this year's box office as far as calendar grows, all tickets sold since January 1st. Avatar The Way of Water, still the king of 2023 as far as calendar grows with $279.3 million of tickets sold. That bests Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania at number 2. Creed 3 at number 3, Puss in Boots The Last Wish at number 4, $128.3 million in tickets sold. In the record books, all that revenue goes to 2022, but it was actually all made in calendar 2023. Megan is there at number 5 with its $95 million final gross. Scream 6 is at number 6. John Wick Chapter 4 enters the chart at number 7. A Man Called Auto drops down one spot to number 8. Cocaine Bear drops down one spot to number 9. And 
Jesus Revolution drops down one spot to number 10. 80 for Brady dropping out of the top 10 overall for the domestic box office this year. We're also at the end of the month and something that I said I would be doing monthly is looking at the box office market share. So of all the tickets that have been sold in 2023, what percent is going to each studio? And let's look first of all at where we were at the end of February, which saw Disney and Universal controlling the lion's share, about 70% of the total box office market for 2023. Sony had 10%, Paramount uh, just over 5%, Warner 3%, and then all others at 12.4%. Well, this has changed a lot over the last month, and we've actually had to add, or I have, two studios specifically because they're getting back into the theatrical game that weren't listed. They were in the all other slice because they really hadn't had major financial hits, but now they have their own listing on this chart based on what's happened in March. So let's go from the market share chart from February to the market share chart from March. And you see that Universal and Disney are still controlling the majority of the box office. Universal bringing in about 20.97% of the overall growth so far this year. Disney at just over 30 31%. But look at Lionsgate and United Artists. They now have between them about 18% of the total box office for this year. Lionsgate at 9.79%, thanks largely to John Wick Chapter 4. Jesus Revolution, also big for them. United Artists at 8.92%, with Creed 3 a big hit for them. Sony's at 9.25%, Paramount's at 9.12%, Warner not having a great start of the year. 4.91%, the lowest market share of anyone on this chart. And then the all other section, your A24s, etc., at 5.97% of market share. So that's really what March has been with the underperformance of Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania on the back end of its domestic run, with the underperformance of Shazam throughout really so far all of its domestic run. We have now big players in Lionsgate and United Artists making big movies, putting them out in theaters, not just direct to streaming, and they are now listed individually on this chart. The first time since I've been doing market share where either studio had enough of a market share to be listed out as their own studio. So that's another indication that movie going really is coming back. We're not just seeing the big five studios having hits. We now have the other studios with the marketing and the faith in their films to put them into theaters and they're performing well. Let's take a look now at movies outside of the United States and Canada in the international market and John Wick Chapter 4, the number one film internationally with $64 million in all markets outside of the domestic market. Suzume, which is coming here uh, in a couple weeks, I believe here domestically, really making a splash as it rolls out worldwide. $57.7 million. So this is a film that did incredibly well in Japan last year going into this year and really appears to be gathering ahead of steam as it goes into more worldwide release. Post-Truth is at number three from China with $12.7 million. Shazam! Fury of the Gods drops to number four internationally. Just $12.1 million in all markets outside of the U.S. and this includes China where it's basically making pennies at this point. And then Scream 6 at number five internationally with $5.9 million. When you take those international numbers, you combine it with the domestic numbers, we get our top five films worldwide, and we see John Wick with its $137.8 million debut, great for that film, Shizume at number two with 57.7, and that's all outside of the domestic marketplace, so hopefully we're going to see that share move up as it enters domestic release. Shazam! Fury of the Gods bringing in just $21.4 million worldwide in week two, bad news for that film. Scream 6 is at number four with $14.2 million, and Creed 3 is at number five with $13.5 million. 5 million.
And when we look at our opening weekends worldwide for 2023, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania still holds the top spot. As I mentioned, it had a fairly strong opening, just not a whole lot after that. $227.4 million. John Wick Chapter 2, though, the second best opening weekend worldwide of the year with $137.8 million. Creed 3 with $100.3 million, posting the third best opening weekend of the year, followed by The Wandering Earth 2 with $69.3 million and Scream 6 with just over $67 million. But as I mentioned, when you look just at openings, that doesn't always tell the box office story because a lot of times, especially worldwide, it's about how movies are performing after their opening weekend. And when we look at the top grossing weekends overall for 2023, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania still has the top grossing weekend of the year worldwide. At number two is Avatar The Way of Water. As it did domestically, it was still going strong worldwide in week four back on January 6th through the 8th, $178.4 million worldwide in week four. Then we have Full River Red. It had a good opening, but a great second weekend as we were getting to the swing of the Chinese New Year holiday. $144.3 million, the third best weekend performance of the year. Then we have John Wick Chapter 4. It's $137.8 million debut at number four, the fourth best overall worldwide weekend of the year, and The Wandering Earth 2 in its second weekend, bringing in $107.8 million. When we look at the overall 2023 worldwide box office, Full River Red and The Wandering Earth 2 are still the top grossing films of the year at 673.3 and 603.3 million dollars respectively. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is at number 3 at just under 470 million. Creed 3 is at number 4 at just under 250 million. Booney Bear's Guardian Codes at number 5. Megan is at number 6. Scream 6 moves up two spots to number 7 with 139.2 million. Hidden Blade moves down one spot to number eight. Moving up this chart rapidly will be John Wick Chapter 4. It enters at number nine with 137.8 million. It will likely be at number six by next weekend, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Deep Sea from China dropping down two spots to number 10. And then Patan, which had a great earlier run out of India, drops off of the top 10 chart altogether. So this is the part of the show where I like to take a look at a weekend from box office past and just relive some fun memories. And let's go back to the 12th weekend of the year, 1990, March 23rd through the 25th, which saw the debut of Julia Roberts and Richard Gere in Pretty Woman, a star-making turn that may be kind of an outdated expression, but it did overnight, basically, make Julia Roberts an A-list movie star. It debuted at number one with $11.2 million. In second place, in its fourth weekend of release, was the first Jack Ryan film, The Hunt for Red October, starring Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin with $9.1 million. In third place in its third week of release was the first Tom Hanks-Meg Ryan team-up, Joe vs. the Volcano, with $5.2 million. At number four is Driving Miss Daisy in its 15th week of release, a 28.1% increase in business and a $3.6 million total. This weekend basically was leading into the Academy Awards, so it was on the cusp of being crowned the best picture of 1989. So there was obviously a push to get people to see it, and obviously people did go see it. And at number five is How House Party, which was remade this year, didn't do as well as the original, even if you don't look at inflation. In its third week, it made $3.2 million for a 10% drop from the previous weekend. Pretty good hold for that film. Of course, we don't just look at the raw grosses when we do the box office flashback. We like to adjust for inflation. And when you hit that inflation button, you see that Pretty Woman debuted to an inflation-adjusted total of $25.9 million. The Hunt for Red October banking $20.9 million in week four. Joe versus the Volcano with a $12 million gross in its third week. Driving Miss Daisy in week 15 generating $8.4 million. And House Party in week three with a $7.3 million total.
So as we wrap up, like we always do, I'm going to take a look at what people are watching through various different streaming services, et cetera. But I have kind of a big announcement to make here, which is that the streaming charts, which is kind of what I call all of this stuff, iTunes, Netflix, Nielsen, et cetera, they have long been the back end of the show. And they were added to this show back in 2020 when there weren't a whole lot of movies coming out or there were no movies coming out. But I wanted to make a complete Charts with Dan show every single week. But as movies have started coming back, obviously the first part of the show has grown with all of the different box office charts, etc. And as more data has been released by Netflix, Nielsen, etc., the back end of this show has also grown as we get more into which movies are opening and how much and viewership numbers and all the Netflix stuff. So I've made the decision to split charts, basically, into two shows. So Charts with Dan will be every week, as it has always been, where we look at the box office and movies, etc. But separately, probably on Wednesday or Thursday, I'm trying to decide exactly when I want to do the show, but it's going to start next week, we will have streaming charts with Dan, which will just focus on all of the streaming data that we get. So Netflix, Nielsen, I can go into a deeper dive on those numbers as well. It just makes sense, largely because as you can look at the runtime of the show, uh, Charts with Dan has gotten a bit unwieldy, and I want to make sure that everybody has time to watch it every week, and not everybody who watches the movie side really even cares about the streaming side. I don't expect streaming charts to be as big as charts with Dan, but I did want to divide the show so I could give each set of data basically their due. I could really dive in deeper into the numbers on the streaming side. I've kind of held back on that a little bit because I didn't want to kind of make the back part of the show too heavy. The other thing that's great about that is that Netflix numbers, for example, are going to come to you much fresher because when I do the show on Tuesdays, they're about a week old already. Instead, we're going to get fresh Netflix numbers. Uh, Nielsen numbers I don't know about because I don't even have them today. Nielsen just kind of decides to put out numbers whenever. Usually it's Monday. Sometimes it's like Friday. Sometimes it's Tuesday. So I don't have Nielsen numbers this week, but hopefully by moving streaming numbers back a day or two, we'll always have Nielsen numbers for you. So look out for that. I'm excited by that. But they stay on the show for this week. So let's start as we always do with the iTunes chart. The Whale and a Man Called Otto lead off the chart at number one and number two. Then at number three and four, two pre-orders. Avatar The Whale of Water, which will be hitting iTunes very soon, and John Wick Chapter 4, just based off of the strength of its opening weekend, its pre-order was high enough to be the number four film on the iTunes chart. Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre, or whatever you want to call it, is at number five, available for purchase and premium video on demand. At number six is Cocaine Bear, available for purchase and premium video on demand. At number seven, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, which is now available for rental. At number eight is a package deal for purchase of John Wick chapters one through three. At number nine is Megan, which is now available for purchase and rental. And at number 10 is John Wick chapter three. So John Wick taking three out of the 10 spots on the iTunes chart for yesterday. Pretty impressive for Mr. Wick there. Let's look now at the most watched programs on Netflix. And I do this using what I call my global Merle metric. It generates a number called the PFV number or potential finished views. I take the total watch time for each one of these programs that's provided by Netflix. I divide it by the runtime and that generates the number of Netflix users that could potentially have finished viewing each program. It just kind of puts movies, series, etc., on more of an even playing field. And when we look at the top 10 on Netflix by the PFV number, Luther, The Fallen Sun is at number one with a PFV of 32.19. MH370, The Plane That Disappeared stays on the chart at number two with a PFV of 11.15. Money Shot, The Pornhub Story, which 
quite frankly, I thought would be higher on this list. 8.762 at number three, followed by The Glory Season 1 at number four with 8.759, very close between those two titles. The Netflix movie Far Away is at number five. At number six is the Netflix original animated film The Magician's Elephant. By the look of it, I thought it was one of those imported films from overseas, but apparently it wasn't. A PFE of 8.01. You Season 4 is at number seven with those new episodes added for a PFE of 7.81. The Netflix original movie Still Time is at number eight for a PFE of 6.42. Shadow and Bone Season 2 at number nine for a PFE of 6.21. And the Netflix original film Noise at number 10 for a PFE of 5.83. Looking at the most watched 2023 Netflix programs for the calendar year to date, You People stays at number one. Your Place or Mine stays at number two. But Luther, The Fallen Sun, quickly moving up that chart. It enters at number three with a PFE of 62.71, which again means 62.71 million Netflix users could have potentially finished viewing that film. Ginny and Georgia season two drops down to number four. Wednesday season one still on the chart at number five with a PFE of 52.41. We Have a Ghost stays at number six. The Pale Blue Eye drops to number seven. Glass Onion drops to number eight. You season four beginning to regain some of its chart superiority after being watered down by the addition of those new episodes. It's up to number nine with a PFE of 39.48. Outer Banks season three dropping down to number 10 and dropping off the list entirely is the Netflix original film Viking Wolf. And absent the Nielsen numbers, that does it for this week's Charts with Dan. There is a wide array of different things to watch this upcoming weekend, especially if you have many of the different streaming services. But first and foremost is the opening of Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, which is a movie that I really, really enjoyed. You can catch my review here on the channel. It came out last week. It is opening this weekend in wide release. If you are looking for a good time, go see this movie. I really, really, really liked it, and I hope that it does well. Also opening in fairly wide release, at least a step above limited, is 1001, which won the Grand Jury Prize in the Dramatic Competition at the Sundance Film Festival this year. So if you want to see one of the big festival films of the year, look for that one. Also opening is the religious-themed film His Only Son, which will be in many theaters nationwide. And then on various streaming services, we have Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston in Murder Mystery 2, which comes out on Friday. Also on Friday on Hulu is the film Rye Lane, which has gotten some really strong reviews. Tetris, which is a movie that is not about watching blocks fall for an hour and a half with Russian folk music playing in the background, but is actually about the development of the Tetris game. It's coming out on Apple TV Plus on Friday. I will also be reviewing that film here on the channel later this week. And then on Disney Plus, also premiering is the original film Prom Pact. Thank you so much for watching the show. I know it was a long one, but with the division of the two shows, I think that we're going to have shorter charts with Dan's and a shorter streaming charts with Dan's show, but hopefully one that everybody enjoys. Thank you, of course, to my partners, Carbon Health, and my sponsor, Honey. But most of all, thank you for choosing to spend part of your day here with me. I'll be back later this week with more box office, movie news, reviews, and more. Until then, stay safe, and I'll see you next time. Bye.